Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to go ahead and subscribe to our Journey YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you all right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. All right, today we are continuing our series, Behind My Journey, where you're going to get to hear from another one of the incredible individuals who's a part of our church, who volunteers. I mean, she's one of you, uh, but she's part of a group of 20-somethings in our church. We've got a lot of amazing 20-somethings um, who are a part of this. And what I love about our 20-somethings is so many of them, they don't just attend, they serve, they invest, they're making such a difference in in the lives of uh, people in our church and people who show up here every week, especially in the next generation. And Leah Bartlett is one of those, and I've gotten to know Leah over the last few months. I first met her when we were building out all the theming for the kids' area, and she showed up and started helping. We got to know her over the course of the last few months. And she has uh, a pretty remarkable story of what God has done in her life and how she's gotten to the point she is in her faith. She's 21 years old, and I won't steal all the details. Quinn's going to interview her here in a minute. He's another 20-something uh, who uh, hosts our Behind My Journey podcast, and he you know, releases a couple of these stories every single month, so you might want to check that out. Uh, Quinn's going to interview her and tell you a little bit more about her, but I will tell you, Leah, I, I said Leah is uh, probably the best duck caller in Calway County. She corrected me and said, east of the Mississippi. That's how good she feels like she is. But she does have the credentials to back it up. I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that. So would you guys, I'm going to bring them on out. Would you guys give a big journey welcome to Quinn and to Leah? Come on out. Have a seat. Uh, I, will, I will say uh, they suggested we bring a duck call out here, and I wasn't going to let Leah go that far, <laughs> Quinn. So and thanks yeah. for saying you might want to check out the podcast instead of really selling it. But, yeah, yeah no, I, I didn't, want, I didn't want to oversell the quality. It's, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. We'll see the, if I can sell it right here. The right? guests are great. The host is, yeah. yeah hey, right. yeah. I'm on the it's, podcast. It's all yours. So. Well, uh, like Matt said, my name is Quinn Eaton. This is Leah Bartlett. And uh, we actually sat down and did the podcast, what, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. So uh, we actually have gotten to know each other a little bit since then. Uh, part of the 20-somethings group, which yeah. I'm on, I'm 23. So yeah. I think that I'm slowly going to be phased out of that group without me yeah. knowing, but that's completely fine. We're here to talk about you, though, not myself. So I'll stop talking and oh, let you get a little bit uh, about the duck calling, because that was one of the first things that I found out about you. Yeah. You, you had just gotten back whenever we sat down for the first podcast from like a national duck calling competition. So yeah. kind of enlighten us on, oh, on what that looks like. Um, yeah, so I went and I competed nationally for duck calling and fly fishing and a lot of cool redneck stuff, I guess. <laughs> um, and I came in fifth. So okay, how awesome. about that? Yeah, in the presence of greatness, uh, with you on the stage, I can't duck call, so I know it's a it's an art form, right? Yeah, I try. Okay, so, um, but let's go ahead and get into your journey a little bit because mm-hmm. you have a really interesting story to tell today. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about your family and where you grew up? Um, so I grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia, which is about 13 hours away from here. Um, I have three older brothers, mom, dad, lots of friends, lots of fun stuff. So, yeah. And uh, Williamsburg, Virginia, is that, I mean, you said redneck stuff. Have you always been kind of in the... Yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends were like little like country kids growing up and then um, my family is not. So I kind of just like moved with all of my friends and did all that 
redneck stuff or whatever. And then coming out to Kentucky was not a surprise at all. And you end up coming to Western Kentucky because you went, you're attending Murray State. Yes. But something that I actually just learned, (laughs) she told me not to say this backstage, is that you got accepted into Yale. Yes. Okay. So people are like, what? So let's hear about that. I, surprisingly, I'm actually quite intelligent, I guess, Um, and I applied to Murray State, and I got in, and then um, because of some stuff, I got the application fee waived to Yale, and they were like, they sent me an email, and they were like, hey, like, you know, your application fee is waived based off of how you did on some tests, Um, you know, which you should apply, and I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything for a couple hours, so I sat down, I filled out the application, I turned it in, a couple weeks later, I got it in the mail, I forgot about it, and then I got it in the mail, and I was like, eh, I didn't even want to open it. And I was like, well, there's a chance. There's yeah. a chance, and I got in. And then I went to Murray State. <laughs> the Yale of the South the y- is yes. what people call it, so yes. that's, that's perfectly fine. But, um, so, so kind of getting past that, you, you end up coming to Murray State. She also, I will say this, she made a really funny joke that she applied to Yale because <laughs> she thought it was Yale University. So, but anyways, Let's talk a little bit about your church experience growing up. Mm -hmm. So you're from Virginia. Yes. I'm assuming you probably went to church growing up as a kid with your family and maybe some Um, friends. So Kind of a little bit. My parents didn't really go to church. My mom was Catholic and my dad didn't do the whole church thing. So there's not really a middle ground for that, like at all. Um, So when I was about to go into seventh grade, it was the summer between sixth and seventh grade. One of my neighbors, she invited me to go to some like youth kickoff event. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was a party. And it was a party. So we went. We had a good time. And there were cute boys. So I wanted to go back. And um, we did. And then the next week was a sermon in small groups. That was very different. But I didn't hate it. So we kept going back. Um, And then at the time, my brother was struggling with drugs and alcohol, which we talked about on the podcast. And so I started asking questions about that in youth group. And the pastor kind of like sat me down. And he was like, hey, we're going to talk about this. And he answered all my questions. And he taught me about what it means to really follow God and to give your life to Jesus and how God can love me and he can love my brother through addiction and through all that bad stuff. And that's pretty much been it. I went through church in high school and then now college and, you know. And, and kind of having a safe space to go, to ask questions, mm-hmm. um, possibly get advice and insight. Yeah. Uh, how did that become kind of a, a key part of who you are based on your church experience? Um, it really just did give me that stability. I always had a group. I was always in youth groups or volunteering at church or anything. And it was a place where I felt like I belonged, but it wasn't a place where I had to be perfect because right. I'm not. And just because I gave my life to Christ doesn't mean I don't like goof off or like mess up every once in a while. Like I totally mess up all the time, but I had a place where I had people that loved me no matter what. I had a place that accepted me, a place that gave me guidance and a place that not only did all that for me, but did it for my brother too. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't even know that they still love him, and that they're still praying for him and everything. And I'm assuming that you kind of got plugged into a church there in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So you end up coming to Murray State, which we can talk about in a second. But mm-hmm. how hard was that? Because maybe a lot of people in this area are used to kind of their comfort zones, right? So yeah. how, how, hard of it, how hard was it for you to kind of get out of your comfort zone and leave a church that you kind of got plugged into and, and became to know? It was terrifying because I didn't know a single person in Kentucky when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Like zero people, 13 hours away. I had no friends. I didn't even know my roommate before I moved in. And weirdly enough, her name was also Leah, which was kind of weird. But yeah. 
side note. Um, and so, yeah, it was sad. But they would still call me and check up on me, and I would still call them and everything. And then they gave me advice on finding a church here and everything like that. So, yeah, I miss, I miss them, but they're still my people. And so then you, you decline Yale University yeah. to come to Murray State, <laughs> right? Yeah. So kind of share a little bit about how your faith has grown since you made that difficult decision to kind of go away from home, a really far ways away mm-hmm. from home, uh, and then come here and kind of grow your faith? It became my choice, and I didn't have the people that were in my youth group that I was holding accountable. Like, I was driving a lot of my kids, like, they're not my kids, but, like, the kids younger than me to youth group. So I kind of was held accountable for that. And then I was volunteering every Sunday at church. So it was like, I had all this that I kind of had to do it, mm-hmm. but then I moved and I didn't have to do it anymore. And then it was like, oh shoot, this is my choice now and I have to make it for my life. Um, so yeah, I started looking around for churches and my church back home was set up in Teardown. At the time, Journey okay. was also set up yeah. in Teardown. Um, so I kind of checked it out. And I went the first time and I liked it. I didn't love it because it wasn't my church back home. Sure. But I checked it out and I liked it. Um, but then I went church dating, I guess, and I like went uh-huh. on a whole bunch of different churches and checked them out, and then I found my way back to Journey. And then we were online, so I didn't have right. to deal Perfect with people timing. and everything. And <laughs> yeah. um, then we built the building, and I got involved, and now I'm here. And what was the process like going to all the different churches in the area? Were you trying to find something that was similar to what you knew already? Yeah, that's exactly what it was, which I was trying to find something that like, compared to that which is not what I should have been doing. I should have found the place where I felt like I belonged and felt like Mm -hmm. I was really receiving God's word. And I was just trying to find a place that felt like what I knew, but that's not what God called me to do. And and kind of speak on uh, the process of being a college student and having the freedom to, at that point, you don't have anyone telling you what to do, where to be at a certain time. So speak on the fact that you kind of took you know, your own decision uh, and, and made sure that you wanted to get into a church. Like, that's a really important step, uh, clearly, to kind of further your faith. Mm-hmm. So how, what was that process like? Because I'm sure there were some people around you that were like, well, why are you going to church? You don't have to anymore. Yeah, it's a lot different being here than being back home because all my friends back home, like, they all knew that I was in church. But here, you're meeting a lot of friends. They're stepping away from their faith or they're really jumping into it, and it's hard to find that navigation of still mm-hmm. being able to hang out and have fun while still being around people that are Christ-like. Um, so it's mostly just been me like inviting my friends to come to church here or to come to church somewhere or trying to get in my Bible, trying to pray more often and things like that. And did you know that whenever you made that move, because of course whenever you get into college and the busyness of, of being a student, did you know that you still wanted to be a volunteer whenever you got uh, here? Is that was a goal that you had? Um... I think so. I think I wanted to because I felt like the more that I serve, like the more that I'm teaching other people, it kind of does hold me accountable. Like I can't be working with kids, telling them how they're supposed to be living their life if I'm not living my life that way. Sure. So it's a way that it kind of checks me, makes sure that I'm doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, I'm working with middle schoolers. <laughs> yeah. That's, so Matt wanted, <laughs> wanted me to make sure to ask this question. It's a great uh, question. Why did you decide to, and I said that with the wrong tone, why did you decide to <laughs> work with middle schoolers? Oh, I did not decide. Jesus decided that okay. one for me. Gotcha. I did not pick middle schoolers. If you have middle school kids, I love them. And I just went to <laughs> camp with them last week, and it was so much fun, which is why my voice is gone, because I was yelling at your children all week <laughs> long. Um, but Matt kind of mentioned it earlier. One of the girls got baptized. It was one of my girls. Um, so I got to baptize her in the creek, and that was a lot of fun. 
Um, she spent, we've been working with her for the past couple months, really understanding what it means to accept God and to accept Christ and to live your life for him. She came from a broken home, didn't really understand a lot of it. And then the first night of camp, she raised her hand to accept Christ. We talked about it for the last couple of days. And she was like, I want to get baptized right now. And we're like, you have family back home. And she's like, there's a river. I was like, <laughs> all right, let's do it. And all the kids are like, we're doing it all at school. I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. But how fulfilling is that experience, of course, to work with the middle schoolers at the camp mm-hmm. and then have someone uh, that you're specifically close to tell you, probably because of some of the things that you've, you've talked with her and, and done with her, that she wanted to give her life to Christ? Yeah. I kept thinking all week long. I was like, they're so young. Like, how do they know? And then it hit me when they asked me what, like, when I came to Christ. I was like, oh, the summer between my sixth and seventh grade year. And they're like, oh, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. I was like, oh. Like, you guys aren't kids. Like, I remember what I was walking through when I was that age mm-hmm. and all the questions that I had and everything, and they're doing the same exact thing. So it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks that they are mature enough to have a relationship with Christ, and I need to step up my game so I can teach them the right way and lead them the right way. And you said that God kind of led you to help with middle schoolers. So mm-hmm. in that moment, is that reassurance or confirmation that yes. you're in the right place at the right time? Definitely. It was definitely God, kind of like a pat on the back, like, mm-hmm. you're doing well, you're doing it right, you're leading my people, you're making more disciples, and you're loving them, and that's all that I can do. And of course, that's a really uh, interesting, and uh, I guess it's just inspiring story to hear that that's kind of come full circle, because I'm assuming you were in their shoes at some point. Mm-hmm. Did you kind of go to the camps and stuff whenever you were a kid? Um, I went to camps when I was like in high school I didn't really go to many when I was in middle school uh, but I was a camp counselor for a while so it was super fun to be back in that element yeah. and be super hyper and goof off and dance around and all the middle schoolers were like I'm too cool to dance yeah. and I'm like jumping around and everything and yeah it was a really good time but it's so amazing to be able to be like in a camp setting where everybody around you is like on fire for Christ and you can like reach out to there and just grab him mm-hmm. and grab his presence so we really focused on this is the easiest place to experience God. So you need to grab a hold of it while you can. So when you're in the hard places, you can remember how easy it was to have him there and realize that he's still in your back pocket. And it's, you, you mentioned that it's hard for middle schoolers to like get up and try to be themselves or, mm-hmm. or dance. And so you were the one that was having to do that. But kind of contextualizing that and seeing it as like, it's hard for them to have as much faith as they have to raise their hand and say that they want to be baptized. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you feel like that camp kind of created that environment, like you've, you've talked about, for things yeah. like that to happen, to, to create that comfort and to allow kids to kind of realize that God's right there in the room with them? Definitely. I think camp is one of the most important things for a kid to be able to attend because life is hard. And regardless of if you're 13, 35, 85, life is hard Mm -hmm. and it's promised to us in the Bible that it's going to be hard. Um, And so when you're in a position there where life is just not easy, but it's bearable for a week and you don't have to constantly be figuring it out. You don't have to constantly be worrying about what's going on here, what's going on there. You just have to be like, Oh, I need to get to service on time. That's the only thing you have to worry about, which my kids were not always at service (laughs) on time, but that's okay. Um, it was just, it's really awesome to be able to be around people. And as a leader, you know, you think that it's for the kids, but I definitely grew way more than they did. 
and I know all the services were geared towards middle school and high school students, mm -hmm. but just seeing their growth and then being able to lead them. And they came with some hard questions. Some of them weren't hard, but some of them <laughs> were really hard, deep questions that you don't think that your kids are thinking about at that age, and they are. And they don't want to ask their parents, but they'll ask their leaders. So groups, super important for them to have a person to talk to. Yeah. And camp is super important for them to experience. And then just kind of getting back to you working with the middle schoolers here at the church, mm -hmm. uh, that's something that I've heard a lot whenever people work in children's ministries that you're learning just as much as they are, if not more. Mm -hmm. So how has that been for your faith to have uh, sort of a structure where you get to teach, but then you're learning at the exact same time? It's amazing. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I definitely did not want to work with middle schoolers at first. Um, middle schoolers are the worst age group, but now the more that I work with them, I love them so much because they are bratty and they are annoying and that's my favorite. Yeah. Like, and they, they come in with some questions. Like one week, one of them asked me, I'm not going to name names. One of them asked me if they thought George Washington and Abraham Lincoln would be friends. And we had to walk through the fact that they weren't alive at the same time. Mm. And then they looked at me and they're like, I just feel like George Washington would have said something really cool when Abe Lincoln got like shot in the head. And I'm okay. like, and then the okay. next question from that same kid was about, well, does God still love me after X, Y, and Z? And it's the same kid, like five minutes apart. Wide range of questions, mm -hmm. but good questions nonetheless. Yes. Maybe not the first George mm, well. Washington question, <laughs> but there's no such thing as a bad question. Um, so what about... What are some things that God's teaching you in this moment? Like as, as you're kind of sitting here talking to a lot of people, like what are, what are some of the things that you're feeling like God is in your life working right now? To let go of everything and just let him be in control. And when he calls you to something that's uncomfortable, like dropping your whole family and moving 13 hours away or coming up on stage and telling your story sure. to just lean into it and realize that he's got your back. He's always got your back, and there's no, you're not going to be able to mess up in his eyes. I'm not powerful enough to mess up his plan, no matter how much I try or not try. There's nothing that I can do wrong in his eyes that's going to mess up what he has for me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mess up a lot. I mess up every day, probably 20 times a day, probably 30 times a day. And, um, but there's no, no doubt about what he has for me and that I'm going to be able to achieve it because he's got my back. And you feel like this whole experience of you kind of moving away from where you grew up, where mm -hmm. your family was, to the Yale of the South. The Yale of the South. And uh, realizing, like, okay, I'm not in control. Was that kind of how that whole experience has taught you yes. and, and kind of made you closer to God, would you say? There is no doubt about the fact that God wanted me and Murray. Mm -hmm. I was at home in Williamsburg, and I was dating a guy for, like, two years, so I didn't want to break up with him, and I didn't want to move far away from him, and I cried to my mom on a Sunday night. I cried to her, and I'm not a very emotional person, so the fact that I was getting so worked up about it, I was like, I don't have any friends. I don't know any people. I don't want to leave this guy, and I was so upset, and she was all game for me being at home. She's like, oh, you can go to in-state university. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll be all right. You'll be a couple hours away, far enough, but not too far, um, and I was like, yeah, we'll look at that tomorrow when I get home from school. She's like, okay. The next day was the start of the new semester in my high school. I was in a new class. I had a brand new teacher, brand new to my school. It's his first year. And he's walking around the classroom and he's asking us, what do you want to do after you graduate? 
And I didn't have the heart to tell this man that I just cried to my mom about it the night before. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm just thinking about going to school in Kentucky. And he was like, oh, really? What school? I'm like, it's a small one. You've never heard of it. Like, just move. Like, don't talk to me. Yeah. And he's like, I went to school in Kentucky. Try me. And I was like, Murray State? He's like, shut up. That's where I went. Yeah. And he majored in the same thing. And I was like, that's God. I'm going. No doubt about it. Right. And I went home. And my mom was like, so I was looking at this school and this school and this school. I was like, I'm going to Murray. Yeah. You knew it from that point <laughs> She was on. like, are you sure? Yale's an option. I was like, no. <laughs> and that's a really interesting way that you put that because I think God works in our lives all in a lot of different ways because sometimes people really connect to God whenever they're reading scripture. Sometimes really, uh, they really connect to God whenever they're worshiping. But some people, and I'm similar to you in this way, where I feel like God actually answers like my prayers in, mm-hmm. in real life with situations like that. So you I feel think like that, I'm a very blunt person, so he's sure. very blunt with he me. He has to be direct <laughs> with you, yeah, that makes sense. But you feel like that's, that was like confirmation, like, okay, yes. that's, I, I was praying about it, I was upset about it, mm-hmm. and now I know what God's plan is for me. No doubt about it. I love Murray, and I love my family here, and I love my church here, and I love all the friends that I've made, and mm-hmm. had amazing experiences that I wouldn't trade for the world. And then what advice would you give to anyone sitting in the audience, uh, just kind of based on the experiences that you've had, kind of moving out of your comfort zone to, in order for you to really grow? Uh, is there any sort of advice that you would give them that you feel like has helped you in, along the way? Yeah. One phrase that has stuck with me is that God does not comfort your dysfunction. He, like, oh gosh, now I messed up the phrase. So we're it's not going to do that. That's we're not going to say that in phrase. In the podcast, I... we would pause, <laughs> go back, and restart right here. But since it's live, yeah. now you now get to I, Now I messed up we in front of everybody. We just pointed it out, got into the awkward, so now... Yeah. I can ask again if you want me to. What yeah, we'll do that. Right, we're going yeah, to restart that. that okay. So what kind of advice would you give everyone that is sitting out here <laughs> that is maybe, you know, looking for some <laughs> advice as far as the experiences that you've been through? Um, when God calls you to the uncomfortable, jump, run, head first, um, because he's got your back. So it's not uncomfortable when he's on your side. He comforts the dysfunction. That's what Boom. it is. We got it. Awesome. He comforts your dysfunction. Um, he doesn't make your dysfunction comfortable. Mm. Um, that's, that's the phrase. That's the it. phrase. Nobody we got it. We yes. Got it. Um, but yeah, so whenever God calls you to something uncomfortable, whether that's leaving a job or moving somewhere or switching schools or just having a tough conversation with somebody, something that you know is going to be uncomfortable, but you know that God is pushing you towards it, the longer that you wait to get into that, the more uncomfortable it's going to be and the more you don't feel God's presence. But when he calls you and you run immediately to do it, like when Jesus calls the disciples and it says like they immediately dropped their nets and ran after him. It's like they were so close to him that they didn't want to miss that opportunity, that you don't want to miss an opportunity that God has for you because you don't know if it's going to last five minutes for him to say, all right, I need you to go do this now Mm -hmm. or if it's going to last 10 years. But you might only have those couple minutes to be able to make that decision and go for it. So I say, if it's uncomfortable and you're scared, don't be because God's got your back. So really good advice. And again, thank you so much for sharing your journey, sharing your story. Let's give a round of applause to Leah for sharing her story today. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. For more information on our church or to find our app or our YouTube channel, just visit journeycalway.com. 
That's journeycalway.com. Thanks for listening.